Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hello, welcome to the show. Today's conversation is so freaking good. I interviewed Brooke and I'm going to read a little bio about her in a second, but she is a go-getter and she really inspires women to go after their dreams and she explains like all the doubters that she faced and how she had to tap into a fighter mentality and she's awesome. So Brooke Jackson Kahn is a physician assistant and a U.S. Army combat veteran. She started her career as an active duty combat medic and now serves in the U.S. Army Reserves as a physician's assistant. Brooke is the founder of She's a Veteran, a female-only veteran community located in Charleston, South Carolina. Her focus is advocating, connecting, and improving their mental health. Brooke has most recently been selected to the South Carolina Women's Veterans Leadership Board for the VA. The board will become a think tank and advocate for important changes to women's health care. Her published writings can be found on PA Moms blog and the Veteran Semi-Professional website. She currently practices as a neurosurgical PA at Roper St. Francis Hospital and is the executive director slash founder of She's the Veteran Nonprofit. So obviously, she is a smart cookie that is a mouthful of accomplishments that she has worked very, very hard for. Now, in the interview, there is a little, um, almost like a bounce back of sound. So I think it was louder in the interview itself. And then when I looked back and listened, I don't think it's very distracting, but there still is a little bounce back. So I apologize for that. And I think you're really, really going to love our conversation. Okay, enjoy. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about being financially fit. Finances can be a huge stressor in many households, not to mention confusing, because it's not something that is generally taught in school. So it can be a bit overwhelming when trying to figure out what to invest in, how to invest, creating a budget, and paying off debt. Deborah Ostrom is a sponsor of the show, and she is also a financial coach who helps women create their own financial plan with simple methods, and she offers one-on-one coaching and has an online program to help women take control of their financial future. Check out her website, DebraOstrom.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-O-H-S-T-R-O-M.com to learn more about how she helps women master their money. And I will leave all that information in the show notes. Hi guys, meet my guest today, Brooke Jackson Khan. You listened to her bio just a little while ago. Thank you, Brooke, for being here today and serving our country. And it's, uh, it's exciting that we get to finally meet and meet quote unquote and chat. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited to be here today. Yay. Before, um, I hit record, she just said, I was like, thank you, you know, for serving our country. She's like, it was the best job I've ever done. It's greatest honor. So we're going to get into that. And that's huge because some people can be like, well, you know, it sucked or whatever. And I'm sure there were, (laughs) there were parts, right. And especially everything that you face, maybe, um, you don't feel, maybe in your experience appreciated or others were or not. So we're going to, we're going to talk all about that. So you were a combat 
medic. So you must have seen some really traumatic things, right? What was that like? Well, first off, thank you for uh, at least acknowledging that women can see combat and participate in that because that's actually a, a big part of you know, starting the community that I did, um, there's yeah. just such a misperception of the female veteran that we see nothing, we do nothing. You know, we had 20 years of two wars going on and there was women on the front lines long before Congress is like, no, you could take a combat job. You're like, what did I just wow. do like last year? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, that's a big part of my organization is um, honoring the service that women have done and the fact that they've been doing the same job as men for a long time without the recognition of it, actually. Right. And even in movies, like it's all like men with guns and, you know, in the front line and, you know, even in movies, it's like the women were like the nurses, which it used to be, but it's come, you know, it's not like that. Right. Correct. It's not, you know, the whole time I joined in 2009 when I first enlisted and, you know, I did the same thing the men did. I mean, in fact, for me, like I was my colonel's medic for a large part of my deployment. And so it was me and just the men. And so I was their medical asset with them traveling on those roads all through Iraq. So, I mean, and that's the same thing that, you know, some of the male medics went out with the convoys and things like that. Right. So same job, same training, same everything. Um, It's just a matter of I'm a female. And so the misperception is I, hung out in a little safe castle and did nothing and, you know, didn't pull my weight. It couldn't be farther from the truth, but you know, this community really is less about me getting that um, recognition and my women getting the recognition. Right. right. Like this is really about like, I have the best support system in the world with my parents, my husband and things like that. Um, Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that the public needs a lot of education of who we are. You know, people don't look at me and think I could be the veteran. That's why they thank my husband a million times a year. And actually where the uh, concept of our name came from is uh, his response is like, actually, she's the veteran. Oh, my gosh. You are right. I am. Uh, So when I came up with what I wanted to call this organization, you know, I just thought about that. I was like, you know, it kind of makes a statement of there's no guessing games, right? You know, I mean, my husband's never served a day in his life and I have, and I'm still in and I'm still continuing to serve. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about, I'm sure every day was different, but when you were serving, can you like talk, walk us through your typical day, exactly what you did? So we have a, a picture in our head of what it was like to be you during that time. Well, for active duty, if you're like stateside and things, um, and I'm pretty quick to say everybody serves their part. So even if women have never deployed or never, you know, got what we call the combat patch, I mean, their service is just as important as mine or anybody else's. It's simply just that I can speak to my own experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, stateside, you're doing the same thing that the men are. I mean, I was third infantry division down in Fort Stewart. Um, they would tell us, hey, we're going to step off with a ruck march at zero four, uh, you know, you have your rucksack, which is a huge oversized backpack for those who don't know what it is and then have to have a minimum of so much weight, often 60 pounds, whatever. And then as a medic, you often had to carry your medical bag too. And off we would go to the ranges and we'd shoot all day and, uh, treat anybody who had had any kind of, you know, heat casualties, things like that. It just depends. But you know, the real deal of what you do stateside is train for deployment. So you would do different things that are exercises of like um, some of the classes that we would do EMT tactical. So we go out there and we're clearing houses and treating people who got shot after we cleared the house. And, you know, what is it like man down out on the, what we call the X, you know, so that's somebody getting injured on the battlefield. You know, what's the first thing we do? Well, we're soldier first, shoot back, you know, and then we go through the treatment stuff. So what we're supposed to do after that. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I have a, a, a kid now and I'm not, um, you know, I it's sometimes she'll do something and I'm just like, what do I do? And my friends just laugh at me because they're like, you're the only person I know that's when you get like a leg blown off. That you're like, oh, I know how to fix that. Hold on. Here I go. Versus like your kid. And you're like, what do I do? I'm like, well, you know, it's my first one to practice on. Right. I mean, (laughs) how old is she? She just turned two on Saturday. Aw, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I have a five-year-old and three-year-old and they're jumping off stuff all the time. They're punching yeah. each other. They're wrestling, you know, yeah. they're very, 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 they are very active. active. In yeah. the first one, I'm sure you've heard like, you're like, oh my gosh. And the second one, you're like, oh, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping you that know? I get there and stuff. It's been, it's been kind of interesting. Yeah. Or well, you have them where you are like, they're not going to spontaneously combust anywhere. Right. Right. Like nobody gives you the instruction manual. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then when they're at that age, they're kind of like into everything. You're like, you don't want them to put it in your mouth. And it's different when it's, it's you, you're like, okay, I can handle it. But now there's a different love for your child than <laughs> it is for yourself and yeah. all the other things. What led you into entering the army? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Tell us about that. I don't know that it was something I always wanted to do. I think I had a lot of self-doubt actually, you know, I'm not a huge uh, female, um, but I do come from a military family. You know, my Mm -hmm. dad's a retired Green Beret. My grandfather served World War II. He was at Normandy, um, D-Day, second wave on Omaha Beach, um, Purple Heart, you know, combat wounded. Um, All of my uncles and cousins, if you were a male, you served in the military. If you were a female, you were a nurse though. Um, but not in the military. I'm the very first female in my family on both sides to join the military. I'm very proud about that. Um, you know, it just came a time not long after I had finished college. And I think it's something I'd always wondered if I could do, but I always doubted myself. You know, everybody talks about basic training slash boot camp. Oh, y'all, their whole job is to just try to make you quit. And I just didn't have a lot of a good support system at that point in time of friends. I had friends that would say, you know, you can't do one push up. We'll see you in three days. And wow. that's not far from the truth. I mean, I didn't really have a lot of good push ups down. Um, you know, but it, I think that was part of my motivating factor of actually getting through and excelling at it. Um, I knew I wanted to serve my country. I think I have a volunteer type spirit in me based on my whole family serving. And um, I wanted to do something bigger than myself. And I just stepped up to the challenge. Um, basic training. I actually attended here at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. So I had my uh, good old time down here in the heat. Jeez, <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah. Really warm with all your equipment. Oh, I, I was just going to say, oh my <laughs> gosh, it's hot. It well, is hot. Just dripping here. down the buckets underneath like your Kevlar hat, just like buckets of sweat. Um, and uh, the army in particular, you know, I come, everybody on my dad's side is army. My mom's side is Navy, but I don't really swim very well. So the Navy mm. was kind of out for me. Um, Air Force, they've always had a super, super small, like medical element. I had a pre-med degree. I knew I wanted to do something medical and kind of learn some medical skills in that aspect. Um, also not a huge flight person. I've been to 35 countries, but every time I'm on the airplane, I'm a little bit of a white knuckle syndrome. So maybe you don't join the Air Force if you're not enjoying every single flight. I don't know. Yeah. Wasn't tough yeah. enough for the Marine Corps. I'm very upfront about that. Man, those people are tough people and I'm so glad we have them. But that mm-hmm. I don't think I could have cut that. So the army was just a good fit for me. I'm like, you want me to run all day screaming at me? That's fine. I got gotcha. you. I can yeah. run all day. You want me to blow something up? Oh, I like that too. We're good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> talk about, okay. So on this podcast, I talk a lot about mindset and you were talking about like, there was some doubt there. What was there anything that you did or said to yourself that kind of just like, made you push harder when people are like yelling in your face and when you can't do as many push-ups as everybody else. And there are mostly, was there, was it mostly men? Oh, there? Of course. Yeah. Of course. So what, what did you tap into during those really, really tough times when you're like, I just miss my family. I want to go home. I think it was more of just reminding myself that other people have gone before me, you know, thank goodness for the women that came before me that, blaze those trails. Right. And I just kept reminding myself if they did it, I can too. And Mm. these people aren't going to beat me. I'm going to do it. And I got to say toward, you know, the, the biggest turning point I had for myself in basic training that always brings me back to how this built, you know, such a building stone for my life and how my determination and setting goals and achieving those things, it all comes from the fact that I always did what I was told to do a basic training so far as you're supposed to keep your head down. You know, they call it the front lane arrest, which is like holding a, a plank position for half the day. Sometimes is what it feels like and stuff, but you're not supposed to look around. You're not supposed to be, you know, peeking at other people. And I never did for the longest time. And I was probably six or seven weeks in. Um, I actually ended up being the platoon guide is what they call it. So you're like the leader of the entire group. 
um, that I went through basic training with, and I was the only one that never got fired. So I kept that job all the way to the end of basic training. Um, so when they gave me that job, cause they had basically given everybody else a shot, I'm like, what are the last ones they picked? But, um, that was something for me. And then I would say there was one day, like I said, seven weeks or so in, and it was the first time I ever looked around and I was the only one that was still holding my push-up position. Every dude in that group, every female, every one of them on their knees, I was the only one holding that push-up position. I literally just got chills all in my arms, all the way from like my shoulders, all the way down to like my knees. Holy yeah. crap. And I don't actually tell that story often. So I'm glad you asked me and stuff, just because it does remind me of, I can do this and I don't have to listen to people's negativity. I don't have to listen to people's doubt. I can do this and I will. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, yeah, I graduated a few weeks later and, you know, went off to my next training stop and things like that. But that built me from the beginning of no matter what challenge came my way, I knew that I could dig deep and do it. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. How old were you when in that moment? Um, not long after college, of, I don't know, maybe mid twenties. I had done a couple of things right after college and stuff. So something like that. Yeah. So before you enter, I was like, like, yeah, 18 year olds on their knees. Gotcha. What? (laughs) What? Yes. (laughs) Men. Yes. (laughs) That work out all the time. So were you in sports? Were you athletic? What kind of things were you strong minded prior, um, prior, uh, why can't I come up with the words prior, uh, <laughs> prior to, to serving? serving? Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I did sports growing up. I played um, volleyball, did junior Olympic volleyball, played some softball. You know, there are different things that I did. Um, I joke that I was on the original Glee because I was actually a singer. So I would uh, we did like a show choir and stuff that we had a lot of fun and performed at Disney World and whatnot. So a little bit of that side, too. You know, I don't have the answer exactly. And I think that's probably why it was such a turning point for me in my life of that exact moment of looking around for the first time and seeing I was the only one that was still doing what I was supposed to do. And I was that strong, surprised even me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think throughout my entire life, you know, I have a volleyball coach. I can still remember of we're doing like wall sits in seventh grade and, you know, I'm not able to hold the wall sit very well and stuff. And like all these super muscular girls are like holding it better than me. And she's like, you just need to work on your mental endurance and just Mm. really dark. (laughs) And so I think because of those types of comments just spoken to me over my time, it was never, I never really got a pat on the back for the good things I did. I always felt like I was getting told all the things I wasn't doing good enough. And it was kind of the same thing with my friends, which by the way, they're not my friends anymore. The ones that are like, see you in three days, you know, you're too girly. You'll never make it. But those are like the resounding things that, you know, you never get rid of really, but you can have a turning point and have a different thought process afterwards, right? You could take Truly. anything, anything that has been one way and make it into a positive and use it. And I think that that's probably something that was so, how great is it that, that I had those people discouraging me when I first joined that I couldn't do it? Cause it gave me so much, I'm gonna show you cause I could prove it to myself more than anything. True. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. And it's like, isn't it funny when we look back at our lives, we're like, okay, this volleyball coach is saying this to me. Somebody said something terrible to me at school. My kid or my friends weren't encouraging me. And it's like all those bits and pieces led you to that very moment. You're like, oh, I experienced this before. I'm going to rise above. Yes. So cool. And I think it's important to say like, don't judge a book by its cover because yeah, looking at you, you're beautifully, you know, you're beautiful. You have beautiful blonde hair (laughs) and you have a red lip and your office is cute and you have earrings and you're like, you're super girly. So when their people are looking at you, they're like, Oh, you know, maybe she's whatever. They don't think maybe that you're a veteran or that you're really super smart. And we're going to get into all of that too. (laughs) But like, you know, I think it's, don't judge a book by its cover is like number one <laughs> too. It is. And it's really a big goal of mine is changing the misperception of the female veteran. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends that I have. They're just as girly as me and they look like me. And that's, that's part of the um, unrecognition that they get forever serving is, you know, I think the community and the public have this homeless veteran from 1970 in their mind of a male, you know, that's on the side begging and stuff like that. And, Y'all yeah, need help. I'm just making a point of like what a perception can be versus what we we are. And there's tons of women like me, you know, just all over the place. And it's just, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it is just the not the judging the book by its cover. But, you know, my strength and depth and things like that comes from some of those building things of joining the military. And 
you know, I always remind people it's the best decision I ever made for my life and I couldn't be happier that I did it. And uh, it's been great. That's huge. So when you were uh, the leader of your platoon, do you feel like that was the first, because you lead others now, you started this beautiful organization, which we're going to talk about here in a, in a minute, but do you feel like that was where you were like, Ooh, I'm meant to be a leader and people see me as a leader or what was, what was that? Like, have you always felt like you can naturally lead? I don't know that that was a turning point in particular. You know, I was in a lot of leadership positions like high school, college, you know, I was president of the key club in high school and vice president of this club and in honor society. And, you know, I've done all the things, but um, I think the difference being that when you're in basic training, your thoughts actually like, I don't want to mess up because I'm going to get fired from this job and you want to do your best. Right. Um, I think it was more of hindsight after I never got fired and I'm the one that's leading my platoon, like to the graduation ceremony from the front and calling cadence and stuff. And my parents are just like, (laughs) you know, blown away. So excited. And I mean, my drill sergeant told my dad later on, I wish I had an entire platoon of soldiers made up of your, your daughter. And by the way, just to let you know on the uh, physical side, yeah, I didn't come in strong, but I was in the top six of my platoon at the end. Um, so out of all those, and I was the only female in the top six, they picked six of us to go to like a special ceremony and like this, uh, performance thing that we got to go to like a concert as a reward at the end. And, um, so my numbers didn't stay like that. Um, my numbers have always been really great for physical fitness ever since then. And, um, it was just always a motivating thing after, like I said, my turning point, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So why do you feel like you were not fired. What did you have that the other leaders lacked? Um, I think it's probably because I had had and not done great at some leadership positions. Um, like I was dance captain of my show choir, my senior year of high school. And I don't know if I executed super well on that job. There was a lot of people who really wanted to be fired. Thank goodness. My choir director was like, no, she's it deal with it, whatever. But, you know, and I think it's like that in everyday life for everyone, right? Like we, we could think that we're being a great leader and maybe it's a micromanagement or maybe it's a perfectionism. You know, I do neurosurgery. So obviously I have a degree of perfectionism to me and things like that. I think for that particular situation, um, number one, like I said, they fired the majority of people prior to me. So it's not like they had (laughs) a million people to choose from. Um, But I think it's, I think it's important for it to show that you care. And that's the thing about me is I really care. I cared about every single person at platoon. You know, when I got done with my PT test, as soon as I was done, I was the person that would go back and run with all the ones I had fell behind and maybe weren't going to finish in time for them to pass their PT test and just singing cadence to them and encouraging them. And I mean, not everybody stepped up to do that. Not everybody chose to do that. You know, they're exhausted. It's easy to be selfish when you're physically just done. But for me, it was like, what's more important. It's important to go encourage these people that need it. Um, mm-hmm. Go get your battle buddies, what they say. Uh, I think listening, um, following directions of your drill sergeant, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I'm very much a rule follower in that aspect. I have a lot of respect for those who've been in for a long time and I trust what they're doing when they say they to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, so I, I love that. Hey, real quick, before we get back to the show, You guys, if you are listening to this show before March 1st, 2022, you must act on what I'm about to tell you. So I am hosting the four-week confidence bootcamp. You guys, it's going to be amazing. The content for this bootcamp is so freaking good and it is bringing life to my soul. I cannot wait. So the Confidence Bootcamp is for you. Listen closely. If you worry about being judged by others, Mm, do you feel it? Are you worried about being judged by others? Because I can relate because that was me too. This bootcamp is also for you if you are critical of yourself and it's difficult for you to overcome your mistakes. It is for you if you ever feel like you're not smart enough, motivated enough, pretty enough, or just plain enough. If you are listening to this show, I know that you are a goal getter. You have dreams and aspirations for your life, but you can tend to put your goals on the back burner 
right? Well, this boot camp, it is four weeks. We are going to meet every Tuesday evening starting March 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And don't worry if you can't make it to one of the sessions, I will email you the workshops and the video so you can watch whenever, wherever. You guys, it is $17. I know what it is like to be so insecure and to have big dreams, but I'm constantly worried about what is so-and-so going to think or how am I going to do it? I know this because that used to be me and I made it my mission to help other women like you reach their goals. You guys, we only get one life. Let's go after it in the most confident way we possibly can. If this bootcamp sounds like you, I have the link in the show notes and I would love to have you there. Okay, back to the show. Uh, okay. So you talk about in one of your articles, I was reading about the organization, you talk about the transition from military to civilian life and how daunting it can be for some individuals. The military is all they know. That's when they started their profession. Can you talk about the transition and why it is so hard for so many veterans? Um, I think a big thing's culture, uh, you know, culture for us in the military, we're no holds bar. Um, we're going to say what we think when we think it, they're not going to beat around the bush. I think that sometimes politeness can go out the door because we're just trying to accomplish a mission. And so it's kind of like, don't sit there and talk about the frivolous things, get to the meat of it. We've just got to get this done mission complete. Right. Uh, I think that's a big challenge for women, especially coming out of the military, because, you know, women are going to be a lot more sensitive when you're trying to make a civilian friend than what you've just been one of the dudes, right? So you've just been straight to the point, blunt is what it is, you know, versus uh, being a little more gentle and having a little more tact and, um, uh, I was that way myself. So when I got off active duty, I ended up randomly actually, because of a, I joked that I don't, didn't remember setting my resume to this, this company for this pharmaceutical job, but I'd always had an interest, you know, I've got an outgoing personality. I like people and things. And I just thought it'd be a good combination of like my science background and my, you know, personality coming out. I knew a lot of military people went to pharmaceutical sales and stuff. So I had an interest and, um, sure enough, I was hired. I don't know, maybe two weeks off active duty. Like it was very fast turnaround. It was fantastic. And to be honest with you, my transition from military to civilian was greatly massaged and encouraged that my boss was a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Marine Corps. And he just happened to know all of the rough edges that I would have coming out because he had them too. Um, and hands down, still to this day, I'll, I'll talk about Jim Tumler for forever because he is um, by far the best boss I've ever had. I still keep in touch with him here and there and things like that. Left quite the mark on my you know, life and transition and trajectory and just one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met anyways, but let alone be your boss. But he was just very patient and encouraging and not scared to call you out, right? Because that's <laughs> a military thing, right? So there was still this just you know, Brooke, this X, Y, Z, you got to stop. Right. You know? And so there was some of those, those heart to hearts and, you know, in the army we call it, don't get butt hurt. Like it is what it is. Like, are you doing it? Are you jacked up? You got to fix it, fix yourself, you know? And that's how you grow. That's how you learn how to become better. Um, so I think that that's a big part. I think belonging is a big part. I think it's even harder for women than it is for men. You know, men go out into society and they wear these shirts and these hats and people congratulate them and call them a hero women, we go into society and no one knows what to really do with us. Like men who've served prior, maybe they haven't served with women. So they don't even know what to do, even though they're fellow veterans. Um, society definitely does not treat us well. You know, I have a lot of women in my group who will talk about parking at the Lowe's veteran spot and people yelling at them as they go into the store. That's for your husband, not for you. Um, it's just not a great treatment overall, but most people are not aware of that. Uh, you know, it's like my godmother, you know, she, asked me, well, how could you choose this for yourself? How could you choose this life? I mean, she was the first to give my dad a pat on the back, right? Thank you for serving your country. You're such a hero. But the second I serve, she's like, you're, you're doomed. You'll never get married. You're never going to have kids. Who would want to marry that? 
who would want to be around that lifestyle and those things? And, you know, what guy can handle that? You know, guys don't want women who are so strong that they're just in the background. And, you know, so just a different perspective. And one of my biggest things that I've said from the beginning, and I still say a man goes off to war and he's called a war hero. A woman goes off to war and she's just called a bad mom. Mm. That's another thing I just got chills for because I'm a mom myself. And, you know, I, when you're a mom, it just, it hits different and you're doing everything for your kids. And I can imagine for those women that go and serve what a hard decision that must be. And the emotions attached to it. And it's, it's true. It's like, if the guy goes away, okay, he's providing for his family. And then what's the woman doing, do you know how many single moms are on the military that are doing nothing but trying to make a better life for their family? Like they don't get a pat on the back. They're just sitting there and judged and criticized. And you know, that's just not right. Um, That's one of my big things. I really want to do what I can to educate anyone and everyone of how great these women are that are out there serving and you know, they deserve our, our thanks and our gratitude. And yes, what, how much more of a sacrifice that is that they are doing as a mom to a child, totally. right? Totally. You know, they're deploying yeah. away from yeah. their kid. I didn't have any children, wasn't married at the time I was deployed. So a completely different scenario for me, but you know, it's no less for the women that I served beside that had families. Mm-hmm. And how awful it was to hear that from a family or, you know, somebody close to you saying like, nobody's going to love you. You're like damaged goods now. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, you're showing your true colors. Maybe it's good that she did say that. Cause then you know what kind of person she is or whatever. You know, I don't fault um, her, you know, she's actually passed on since then and things. And she, it, it, it really came from a place of love. And I think that's, kind of how you'd have to take some of these things. Um, you know, she knew I was getting older and still not married or having, you know, the, the kids. And she just came from a different time in life where you had all those things a little settled earlier. And it's, um, it, it could be challenging, but I don't think negatively at, at all for those things. If anything, it gave me perspective of what someone go through that they don't have people like my parents and my husband, Right. right. So, I mean, it gives me just a different view of some of the struggles out there for women who do choose to serve their country. Yeah. yeah. And what the other veterans may be hearing too. Yeah. And not just, it's not just you and it's maybe you wouldn't have that perspective if you yourself didn't go through it and you wouldn't be able to relate to those, those harsh words. Yeah. And I get that all the time from so many women. Thank you for starting this organization. I'm so glad I'm not alone. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that's been through X, Y, Z. I'm so glad it's not just me that feels very awkward. Like you're talking to a civilian woman and, you know, sometimes you'll mention, oh, military, I can't do something that weekend. I've got duty. And they're just like, tuck tail and run. And they're like, they, they don't know what to do with you. Usually their comments are something like, oh my God, I could never. And it just leaves you feeling like, why am I just so weird and different? And that goes back to like the transition as well, right? You know, coming out of the military, you know, active duty to civilian side and trying to find your way. We kind of end up being um, very isolated and a lot of people don't try to relate to us. I don't think we're that different that you couldn't relate to us. I think everybody makes a, a sacrifice for whatever job that you choose, right? Careers. I mean, everything, nothing is easy. It's just a different journey but it doesn't mean that my journey is anything odd, you know? Right. Right. I'm going to read a quote here. Um, It said, this was on your website. Women veterans are two times more likely to become homeless than veteran men. And one in four female veterans struggle with hunger. What, 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 why is that? Um, it's the same thing for PTSD. We're twice more likely than men to uh, develop PTSD. Um, you know, and I think that it's probably pretty easy to see from women and how they are, of what, you know, we take things to heart, we bury them, we internalize them, whereas men are generally not always, but a lot of times easier to brush things off and not really take things to heart. Um, and I think that that's part of the PTSD effect. You know, people go through, women go through things and they hold on to stuff. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Could I have done something differently to save a life? Could I have done something differently to, you know, make a difference or not and kind of carry that weight, but the homelessness and 
you know, it's actually home insecurity as well. Um, and the, the food issues and things. Yeah. It's, I don't know necessarily. I don't know that anybody knows exactly what drives a lot of this, but women are always great for number one, recognizing themselves for what they are. Sometimes women are like, well, I'm not a veteran because I didn't deploy, which is not true. Or I'm not a veteran because it was only a veterans only during Vietnam, which is not true. Um, you know, there's a lot of dismissive things that probably impacts their acknowledgement of their service that would lead them to better benefits or help or an outreach. You know, there are a lot of things that people do in the community. The VA actually in Charleston is phenomenal. Ralph Johnson, they have so many outreach programs. Um, one of my most biggest supporters, Heather, she's out of Columbia at that VA and is actually in charge of like the South Carolina women's division for veterans. Um, and, you know, she's in charge of all kinds of programs. There's things out there. Um, I think it's a lot of how do we find them? How do they know that they can use these resources? Will they utilize them if not? But I think a lot of it comes back down to that belonging, that feeling isolated when you're done, you know, maybe not reaching out for the help when you need it, maybe not able to secure some of the, the things that are out there offered for them. I think a lot goes into it. So what made you start she's the veteran. So it was all of this, were you facing some of these things and you're like, okay, we need to change it. Or what led you to this, this path? So, I mean, those are statistics that I like to put on my website, just so people have like an idea of what a different scenario it is that women veterans face. It's a much bigger uphill battle just to succeed in life, you know, just to eke it out, you know, let alone to actually succeed. Um, but my biggest thing is mental health. That's our number one um, thing that we focus on for my community and uh, research. And 2017, when I was in my last year of PA school, I, you know, you can kind of do a thesis slash capstone, it's called different things, of whatever your research project is. And I chose to do mine. PTSD is both underdiagnosed and undertreated in the female veteran. And a lot of that came from the fact that there was just so much of a lack of research or resources. It was really disheartening to see how a lot of the data I had to use was based on males from the Vietnam era. There wasn't really anything that ever looked at what our experience was like, what it was like for us to come home, what it was like for us to try to build relationships. You know, we women are very quiet. It's just, you know, men come back from a war and they're very outward. They're drinking, they're driving fast, they're fighting. It's a very outward type of a transition for them versus women. We're very withdrawn, you know, relationships have fallen apart just because we just are just to ourselves. And so it just goes unnoticed because people won't give us credit that we saw anything, did anything right. You know, the men they're like, yeah, go take a time out and uh, just leave them alone. He just got back women, I'm going to need you to go pick up the groceries and I need you to put in the mail. I need you to go ahead and pay the bills. I need you to go do the laundry. I'm going to need you to fix dinner and pack all the kids' lunches, make sure those assignments are all completed. And by the way, you're going to step off for your four o'clock ruck march with all your stuff because you're still in the military, but you don't get a break. You don't get to take that hat off. Yeah. So that was something I wanted to look at. Um, obviously it was definitely eye-opening. I think that there's been some, you know, strides since then that there's been some more research, you know, starting to become bigger, of a thing. I want to do my own part. You know, that's why I have a survey on my website for female veterans, gathering some data and some things to look at. When I came back, no one asked me if my experience was any different than the men's. No one asked if I was okay. No one asked about anything. It was just here, check this box. All right. Now go back to work. And so being concerned about that, knowing that the experience is different and that women need to be, you know, honored and told, you know, we care and what can we do for you? And with the mental health aspect of this community, when I moved here in 19, I just realized there just wasn't a female veteran community to plug into. And I just thought, you know what, if not me, then who, right? So I've got the resources, I've got the vision, I know what I want to do with this right now and um, started building the community. We officially launched in 2020. And wow. then the uh, past January is just when that we started pursuing a 501c3. So we're now going to go to nonprofit status. That's um, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's going great. Uh, a lot of really cool things on the horizon. I didn't want to do that at first just because I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew. Um, right. but there's just been so many positive things in the past five, six months that it's just, it became obvious mm -hmm. that for me to do the most for the most female veterans, um, the 501c3 is going to be necessary. 
So we're excited. Wow. So what was like the process? Like, you're like, okay, I want to do this. Was it like challenging? Like, bringing your vision to life between like, okay, I studied this, you know, I did my capstone on this, but then actually bringing it into fruition. Can you kind of walk us through that? So, I mean, I kind of joked at the beginning because I was like, where do you find these female veterans at? Where are they? I know they're somewhere, (laughs) you know, you must be hiding and I'm going to find you, but I don't know how yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of just took it with a, if you build it, they will come approach, to be honest. Um, I launched September, 2020, and I was leaving not long after that. I think um, the very end of October for a military school for a couple of months in Texas. And so Um, you know, by the time that I had launched, you know, I I made sure I had like my logo, my website, my things to be together, to be official, to know people know it took me about a year to actually put all those things together to be, you know, able to launch. I was like, well, if I'm going to be a perfectionist, this thing's never going to launch. So I'm just going to put it out to the world and see what happens. And that's kind of what I did. I met a few different girls here, um, that were in junior league that were military veterans. And one of them is actually going to be on my board this year. I'm so excited to have her. Um, and then the connections just kept coming from there. Um, and the very first organization I reached out to that I wanted to partner with was Warrior Surf Foundation. And um, my goal is really to develop some different events that we have throughout the year with organizations that are already created. So I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. And my biggest thing is not everybody wants to surf. Not everybody wants to do yoga. Not everybody wants to ride horses. Like everybody has their different components but how can I help some of these isolated female veterans feel like they have a community to plug into? Maybe they've wanted to go to some of these events and try out, you know, surfing for the 12 week program or whatnot. And a lot of them just don't want to go out there and be the only female around 50 dudes. Mm -hmm. Not every female veteran is outspoken like I am. In fact, the majority of them are not, which is why I'm happy to advocate for them is, you know, if you're not going to thank yourself, I'm going to thank you all the time. So call me, I'm going to thank you. You're going to be reminded of where you are for serving. Um, and then that's been kind of the thing when we've done uh, these events, I sure enough had, you know, every, I had 10 slots available for warrior serve. That was my first event that I had. And I had multiple, the whole, all the slots were filled. I had a waiting list, you know, it was just, um, a great turnout. And so, you know, and I think the thing is too, is some of these notions that, you don't have to get out there and hang tin in a, in a pipe, right? This is not the North shore of Hawaii. You know, some of these women, they just showing up was half the battle, right? Yeah. You know, just coming out to meet us and being told we appreciate you is right. half the battle. And I think that that's a big deal for having some of these events in person and going throughout the year. Our biggest event is actually the women veterans uh, celebration. And so last year we did it June 12th down at the Sweetgrass Pavilion. Um, we had like a whole weekend of it. We um, had the baseball game of the River Dogs the night before, and I threw out the first pitch. And you know they talked about honoring you know the two million women veterans and stuff. And then Saturday night we had Quilts of Valor presentation. We had the Combat Divas who have a podcast in Chicago. They came all the way from Chicago to do a book signing and a meet and greet, and just had a great time. A really great turnout. We're going to do it again this year. It'll be June 11th instead, but. I wanted there to be at least one day. And by the way, there's no kids or significant others allowed at this event is simply for women veterans. And I, I stick to my guns on that. I've had so many people ask, well, why, why, why? And it it comes down to this. When do they ever get to take the hat off of everything that women do? Never. Mm -hmm. So if you bring somebody, your significant other to that, you're going to be, are they having a good time? Do they need food? Do they need a drink? Should I go over there and entertain them instead of meeting this other female veteran I should be talking to that I really thought I would have something in common with, you know, it's just such a different time to get that permission to not worry about the kids, not worry about entertaining anybody and just be yourself. How many times do women ever get a break to just be themselves? And I think it's huge. I think that's, that's like so thing. cool. What a great break that they can get. And I plan on always sticking to that for that particular event. If they want a friends and family event, you know, later on in the years, that's fine. But everybody needs that time out. I love that. And that is huge. It's like, yeah, you know, when you're getting invited somewhere, you're like, okay, you, you think about, you know, <sighs> just, yeah, your partner or your kids or, but it's so cool. And that's, I kind of compare it to it's different, but like a women's retreat. I, I like to go on women's retreats and do different things. It's like, 
it's so nice to be able to take that hat off where you're not working. You're not taking care of anybody else. You just get to be you and discover what makes you tick and connect with other women who have things that are in common or that can teach you something or, you know, could share a story. I think that's truly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I am happily the bad guy for a lot of those women and, you know, maybe it's a little uncomfortable for some women, I'm sure, you know, maybe some of them are used to always having their significant other around or whatnot. I totally get that. It's just that I think that everybody ends up being very surprised on how much they enjoy it because they haven't had a chance to just take that break and take all those hats off for once. Mm, Awesome. So for the organization, what specifically do you help with? Do you, you provide resources that these women can, can go to? Can you get into the specifics of that? You create these beautiful events where they can enjoy themselves. Can you tell us a little bit, bit more and how the listeners can support your program? So the biggest support we can have is, well, us going to 501c3. If anybody wants to donate and support our organization, that's definitely um, a big thing for the buildup, you know, there's going to be different opportunities for sponsorships for the June event. If there's anybody who has a business out there that wants to maybe sponsor a table of women veterans so that they can come for free. A lot of times women veterans are having to pay for the childcare, maybe take off work. Cause not everybody works Monday through Friday. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that are a lot of hurdles that they have to clear to come to an event um, that supporting them through monetary things and sponsoring that vet can be something that's very helpful for them to make sure that they can attend. Um, so far as the events themselves, you know, neuroplasticity is really what I focus in. And that's just a fancy word of saying that we recreate the brain paths. So there's a lot of negative brain paths that we have that build up over time. So how can we change the negative to positive? And a lot of that comes from developing a skill. So the events we have throughout the year that are like the warrior surf or the Charleston area therapeutic, they're all, what can I learn a skill of to become better at, to have more positive thoughts? How can I rewire the brain? Um, so, you know, like I said, for warrior surf, when they came out, you know, there was some that didn't feel comfortable getting in the water before they got there. And, you know, their biggest victory by the end of the day was actually just getting in the water, you know, and it's not about comparison. It's about how great is that, that that person was able to overcome that fear. You know, not everybody's in the Navy, <laughs> right, you know, right. so it's so these people are like me, we're like, you know, the land rats and stuff. So, I mean, you just about meeting people where they are, but that's what it, what it's about. You know, the different events that I hope to plan on in the future and stuff, it all revolves around, like I said, developing some kind of a skill that can build a positive mental thought process. Um, we have monthly virtual meetings now that we've been doing starting in January, and that's given women a place to plug in from the comfort of their home and just share stories and talk about everything from boot camp. You know, there's been women that have connected that are like, wait, were you stationed at blah, blah, blah at the same time I was like in Italy? Of course, they were not army, obviously, if they're saying Italy, just saying, <laughs> but just a connectedness. Um, I joke that mental health is not necessarily about sitting on a couch horizontally and getting a lobotomy and zapped, you know, for women veterans, a lot of mental health is just realizing you're not alone. You don't have to be isolated. You don't have to be, you know, someone who's gone through an experience that no one can relate to, but another woman veteran. And that's a lot of times what it comes down to. They're not wearing the hats out in society. They're not wearing the t-shirts. They're not, there's so many women veterans that probably go around that people had worked with them for years and they would never know that they're a woman veteran. Yeah. What is one win that you are so proud of that happened through your organization? Is there anybody that you can think of that experienced something or you were able to offer something to them where you're like, wow, this is why I started this. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I can think back to probably this, this time last year, um, I had been on the news for a segment and it was kind of just talking about, you know, women veterans and then kind of announcing like my June event that was coming up and stuff. And, um, there was a lady at our actual, um, VA here who called me, I guess they, she had just looked on the website and found the phone number and called me and I talked to her for a little bit. And I don't know that I would say that I wake up any day and I'm like, I'm so amazing. I have accomplished blah, blah, blah. I don't know that that. this lady in particular, you could tell that she just felt very 
unheard. Um, she was there for, you know, a, a surgery and things and said she didn't have a lot of support. And there was actually a male veteran. I don't know if he was a caseworker or a manager. I don't know any of those things, but whatever that he was, he was prior service male veteran and just basically berated her and said, you're not a female veteran and you don't have service and that's not going to help you. And it doesn't count. She's like, why am I in the VA then? Right. You know? right. Yeah. And just totally this heartbreaking story. I think her family lived pretty far away and couldn't be there for the, the procedure. And, you know, the day she called me, she was having the procedure the next morning um, and just kind of told me a little bit of her story. And I don't know that it's necessarily anything that I did. I did find some resources in particular that she had asked for. I made a lot of phone calls and sent a lot of emails that day and got the information that I could for her, got back to her that evening you know, I just dropped by the next day and just dropped off flowers and just said, she's the veteran is so thankful for your service. And, you know, she, to this day, will still, you know, call me and just say, thank you so much. I just really appreciate being heard and I'm doing well, things are going well. And I think it's just knowledge, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's ever necessarily of like, what am I physically or emotionally doing? I mean, I'm not um, a counselor per se, you know, that's not not the avenue I'm taking in this. I mean, as a PA, I guess that could be my focus, but that's not where I'm, where I'm at on things. Um, yeah. But I think it's just a lot of women veterans just want to be heard. We want to be seen. We're not invisible. Our service does count. We do count. We do have things to offer. <laughs> and what a beautiful story. And you were able to connect over that because, you know, here she is about to go into surgery and then, you know, she's doesn't feel acknowledged and you're gonna be like, and you were like she saw you on on the TV or whatever and you were able to then go above and beyond and find her resources and that shows that you really care and are really dedicated to this mission. I am 100% and I think that that comes down to it as well as like at the end of the day what do I look at to measure my success? I think if I just help one woman veteran, like one woman veteran, like, I don't know that I sit here and think of, I'm only going to be successful if I do X, Y, Z. I just feel like the people that I'm supposed to touch along the way will be in my path and I'll always do what I can to do, help them and encourage them and thank them. I think that's part of like, just the biggest thing to be honest is not be treated oddly or like ostracized or just to be thanked. Right. And I think that's a lesson for listeners too. And myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to actually look when I'm out and about, and I don't think I've ever noticed a veteran, a female veteran with a shirt on or a hat. I don't think I ever have, but even like asking that question, if they are wearing, you know, the army flag or whatever, asking them like, Hey, did you serve or opening, exactly. up, that, opening exactly. up that conversation? Yeah not thank your husband for his service. Like not yeah. that, you know, <laughs> the no. acknowledgement that it could be me. Like that would be great. <laughs> right. Right. So you are a smart cookie. Obviously you're a <laughs> neurosurgical <laughs> PA at Roper St. Francis hospital. What? And you're a mom and a wife and you have this organization. What do you do that is just for you and anything that helps you mentally? Um, I take my own counts, you know, I like to run, you know, I used to go to bar class quite a bit. I think being active is something that's important for me. I would say the biggest change I made for myself, you know, some years back, it's probably been four or five years. Um, I used to run a lot with music on or a podcast and I'm not discouraging that by any means. Um, but I just decided that I wanted to just run with nothing and actually just be, I didn't want to focus on, do I need to change the song? I'm not feeling it. Or did I hear that? Right. I want to rewind it. Uh, I just wanted to just be and listen to the pat of my own feet hitting the ground and taking the things and be present. And I think that's just so important. You know, this life is just so fleeting, right? So what can I do to just enjoy today? Um, and that's, that's been a big thing. Um, I love it. You know, every time I, I go out for my walk or run or stuff like that, I, I definitely look forward to just being, um, that is not that because I was actually yeah. listening to a podcast earlier and, and, um, one of the 
women. I'm sure there's listeners here, uh, Lauren Bostic, she does skinny confidential and Lori Harder. She does earn your happy, but they were saying that. So Lauren was saying like, she just takes like a, a thought week. Bill Gates does this where it's like a thought week or just like a think day or whatever. And we're so caught up in, in the noise, the music, our to-do list that we just don't sit with our thoughts when we are with our thoughts, when we're waiting for the elevator, when we're driving in the car, when we're like, we have a, a second to think we're on our phones. And so that's like the second or third time I've heard that this <laughs> week. And yeah. it's like, ding, ding, ding. And that is so, so cool. So beautiful. And that takes intention to be like, it does. no, I'm going it to is, just be, what are my thoughts telling me? What's my body telling me? How am I feeling today? It's where you're going to yes. check in. Yep. And I, I really, it's my time. It's, you know, to myself, I, you know how it is to be a mom. Like you're never really not a mom. Right. Um, I don't encourage the listeners to do this, but I personally leave my cell phone because I give my, uh, you know, whoever's with my daughter, my husband, whoever a check-in of where my route is, where I'm going to be running at. And I safely run inside a neighborhood. So I don't know that for safety reasons, I'm encouraging anybody else to do it, but I'm really just talking about for me and myself, um, my mental health break really comes down to leaving the electronics and just being out there. I love that. I, you're encouraging me to go on a walk this week, tell my husband where I'm going and leave my phone at home because I do, I put my headphones in and I listen to a podcast or I listen to music and I'm thinking about what they're thinking, but just being and taking things in. So you're encouraging me and hopefully the the (laughs) listeners to do it in a safe way where you can just, just, just be in your thoughts. And you know, sometimes you're not going to want to hear what your thoughts are trying to tell you, but that's where you're going to have a breakthrough. It really is. And if you're not doing it for yourself, who else is going to do it? Right. And Mm so I will say, don't give up on the first few times. It takes a little bit to adjust just because we're so used to always having that neurostimulation Our brain just constantly on, on, on. Um, so that's a big change. And so it did take me a little bit to get used to it, but once I did, I just haven't ever gone back and it's just been really great for me. And that's a great great tip too, to start slow, start like five minutes. I'm going to drive in the car with nothing on, you know, when you can, or I'm going to get ready with nothing, nothing on as far (laughs) as electronics or whatever it is. And just, just start there. I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned that where can listeners find you. Can you tell us, I have all your information, but I want you to say it and I will put it all in the show notes. Where can they find you? If they want to be a sponsor of your event, how can they reach you? Give us Instagram, uh, email, all the things. Yeah, of course. So we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's going to be, she's the veteran. Um, we don't put that for anything. Cause that's basically somebody who takes care of dogs and animals and that's not us. So make sure you spell up. She's the veteran. Uh, so far as email, I'm at Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E at she's the veteran.org. So far as website, we're at www.she'stheveteran.org. And my phone number, 843-595-2920. You can text or call that number. Um, so just lots of different ways you can get in touch, especially anybody wants a sponsorship opportunities and stuff for June, the women veterans would definitely appreciate it. You know, it's all about them. Uh, Tori Birch is very kind. They've donated a purse for us to just do a giveaway. And so there's just a bunch of different things. Tessa Spencer has signed up to be our MC who she's a, a news two a TV personality, a um, prior service army veteran herself, in case people don't know that about her. So just a lot of exciting things coming up. Great opportunity for the community. The state of South Carolina actually has 45,000 women veterans. So this is an opportunity to definitely thank some of them for their service and, you know, join in our cause and just help us grow. If you know a woman veteran, send her our way. We'd love to have her join the newsletter on the website so she knows and stays up to date on our events. Um, and lots of fun things to come through the year. 
I, I love that. I want to, if you have a second, I would like to talk to you after I hit done recording. Cause I have a few things I want to um, talk to you about, but you have just been awesome to talk to you. Oh, I learned you. so much. You have such a great personality, very inviting. I can tell that in your heart, you have such a pure heart and it's your mission and you're, you are dedicated to this and you're helping so many women and just thank you for your time here. And when you served and everything that you're doing, I just, it's awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It's just been such a great interview and I really appreciate the thoughtful questions that you've brought today. I've definitely discussed a lot of things on this podcast. I've never been asked on others. And so it's very refreshing and it's just been really enjoyable. Thank you. Yay. You're welcome. You guys, thank you for tuning in and reach out to Brooke. I will leave everything in the show notes. Do uh, If they want to make a monetary um, donation, is they can just reach out to you and ask, or do you have like any website? Oh, on the website. Okay. There's just a big donate button at the top. um, So you can just click that and go straight to our donation area. Awesome. If you guys love this review, if you know a um, review, (laughs) interview, make sure you leave a review, screenshot it, share it to social media, send it to one of your female veterans in your life. Is it, you know, your, your mom, your friend, even the stories, maybe they can relate to that. Uh, Thank you. And remember you guys, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision and one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again and remember to go after the life you want. Bye guys. Bye guys.